Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, Council Vice President here in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. And if you've listened to this podcast before, and I hope you have, or you can in the future, uh, you know I've talked to people in every state from Hawaii to Maine, Alaska to Florida, all points in between from school board to U.S. Senate, lots of things in between those as well. Uh, And to me, the most important politics happening in this country right now Beyond the craziness with the debt ceiling and Congress, our state legislatures, that's where the best and worst things are happening. Um, That's where the legislation that could become federal is happening and really where the repercussions are when bad things happen on a federal level. And one of the most important states, which wasn't always the case uh, in politics right now, is Arizona. So I'm excited to go back and talk to someone who might be one of my new friends. We'll see. Uh, Her name is Nancy Gutierrez. She's a state representative in Arizona and a, a teacher. And uh, he's new to politics, at least he says, but we'll find out how new that is. So, uh, Nancy, thank you for talking today. <laughs> oh, thanks so much for having me, Tony. I really appreciate your time. So, like I said, it said, uh, you know, last year you were a political newcomer, but had you, mm-hmm. even though you were a first-time candidate, when did you first get involved in actual politics? Like, sometimes a first-time candidate means that they've been involved in campaigns or other things in the past, but was last year really the first time you put more investment into, into it? Um, it really was. Mm-hmm. I, I'm truly a newcomer. Um, I've always been a volunteer in the community, but not necessarily in politics. And it took uh, the 2016 election to um, motivate me. And But still, I stayed local with uh, working with my Tucson chapter of the Arizona, um, sorry, the National Organization for Women. Mm-hmm. And uh, became their president in 2018 for a year. Um, And that's where the political, like, seed was planted. Uh, The secretary said, when are you going to run? And I said, I'm not going to run. I have no, I'm I'm not doing that. But when she said that, I kept thinking about it. And it was always in the back of my mind. And um, through my uh, school... um, leadership positions like being department chair for five years and being on some of the committees in the school, I realized that that wasn't really having the effect on public education in Arizona that I wanted. I wanted bigger change. Um, So I started looking around and and doing some classes on how to run and how to be a political candidate and decided to run um, the summer, uh, I guess that was 2021. Um, and some things were changing in my life as well. I was going to, I turned 50, um, in April of 2022 and, um, my last, my youngest daughter was about to graduate from high school. So it just seemed like, you know, I had time to do something, um, new. Yeah. I'm doing the math in my head for my own kids because they're in third and first grade. And I was like, oh, when I, I'll be 50 and they'll be doing that too. Um, yeah. Your story reminds me of my, not mine, but about my area, the Philadelphia area. Like, uh, uh, there's so many people that got motivated and kind of changed their politics a bit or changed their involvement after 2016. Is you, are you finding that, especially with women in your community, that they, after 2016 or during that campaign, became more involved or even switched parties? Yes, I'm finding that a lot. I think people are still switching parties. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I think it's more than women, it's men. I was actually doing phone calling last summer 
and um, decided that I was going to call whoever was on my list and then not ask for that specific person, but talk to whomever answered the phone because, you know, many people don't. And I talked to a great uh, gentleman who was a Republican. He said, we're a split household. And I said, okay, well, since she's not there, can we talk? And Mm -hmm. he said, sure. And we just started talking and I was telling him that I was a teacher and why I was running. And he said, um, well, I can't vote for you in the primary, but with everything that's happened, just know that, and he said, I'm not going to change my political affiliation because, um, you know, I want to kind of vote for the least uh, popular candidate mm-hmm. in, the, in the primary, um, but I'll be voting Democratic in in the general election. And I, I heard that from a lot of people. So I do, I think it's the 2016 election and just the extremism that we've seen. Um, I grew up with parents who were both Republicans, um, but my mom, um, she hasn't officially tra- changed her uh, registration, but she certainly vote Democrat. Um, and actually, she voted for a person that you talked to, uh, Laura Tarek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's done. That's my mom's rep. Um, so I do think I, I see it all the time that people don't really appreciate the the extremism that we've gotten to in politics. One thing, not not that it's extreme, but one same thing that Arizona has seemed to have done extremely better than my state of Pennsylvania or Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is electing women. Uh, we have not had a woman as a senator or as a governor in Pennsylvania. We really haven't. We, wow. we have um, more women who we, who are in Congress, which is great. But even that is newer in terms of number of women in Congress, um, whether good or bad, because there's obviously there's great women you have and you have not so great women in office you got katie Mm -hmm. Katie hobbs who is is wonderful um how does that impact people like yourself to become first-time candidates when you see that yeah women can win in this state yeah i think for a lot of people it does um open that door to see a woman that it got elected and they see themselves electable um It was interesting because when I was in a five-person primary, Mm -hmm. two women, three men, and I was told that, uh, well, I had an advantage because I was a woman. Oh, yeah, of course. And I thought that was interesting um, because I I may have, however, there was a lot of that backlash just, you know, you have to look the right way. You have to wear the right thing. So even though we're seeing more women, we're also seeing that same double standard of, does she look right? Does she have, you know, I, I am 51. So, you know, that there comes that, well, old lady, you know what, all Mm -hmm. the things. So, um, even though I don't consider myself an old lady, I don't consider you old either, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, there, there's still a whole lot of, um, sexist, stigma that comes along with running and that and it's still at play you know it is what it is it's been that way my whole life so (laughs) kind of used to it but I thought it was very striking when people said oh you already have an advantage because you're a woman and I thought "Mm, hmm, I'm not sure about that yeah I mean my counsel now is five to women or it's women to men and and you know we're doing better here but um, one thing I know is I can wear the same thing all the time to council meetings and to go door knocking. And I don't know if the, like you, this is not a visual podcast, but, um, my mm-hmm. fellow councilwoman's like, Oh, I guess got this new haircut. And I am not, I, I did not cause I don't have hair. To yeah. Care. 
right. Uh, like there's obviously a lot more that goes into that. And do you see that as something that like we can keep, we're making progress on that maybe like we can show more diversity of women and not just like, Oh, this is a female candidate prototype. I hope so. I do. And, and I think in Arizona, I mean, we've, we've elected, um, like in our democratic caucus, there is a variety of age of women and, um, ethnicity of women. So it's really nice to see that, um, at least in the democratic caucus, it's not just white, you know, women over 40 who Mm -hmm. are being, um, elected, which I find so inspiring. I mean, we have women, Latino women who are, um, just turning 30 in our caucus, Mm -hmm. which makes me feel ancient, but in a good way, you know, I'm so pleased to see that young women are, are running and winning. And, um, I think they are really who will inspire the next generation of candidates. Yeah, I am now in my mid or early to mid forties. I don't know how what you count. I count mid forties as up to forty nine and a half, right? So I'm okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, so, but I, um, you know, now there are a lot of more younger people running. You and you're a teacher as well. I want to get into that, but do you see a different perspective on how politics should work from younger candidates versus what you've seen for yourself and for others in your caucus? Absolutely. Uh, I am learning so much from my younger counterparts. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful to have, you know, 30 somethings, even 20 somethings um, elected because they are so, um, they just are very connected to their communities. You know, they're not afraid to, they knock on doors. Um, they, I don't know there. It's just, it's a, it's a vitality, um, that they bring. And I think it's fantastic. I mean, and, and because I am a teacher, I really do love learning from younger folks. Um, so I, I, I just, I'm inspired by it. I'm energized by it and, um, very grateful that they've kind of taken me, you know, under their wings and, and are willing to teach me new things. So it's it's been wonderful. One thing that I know has been inspiring a lot of Democratic legislators across the country are the legislatures in Minnesota and and uh, yes. Michigan. So my proposal is to just start every state with the letter M. You know, Arizona, <laughs> Pennsylvania, whatever, because that seems <laughs> okay. Really I'm in. But one thing I've learned from following their successes with a very narrow majority in the legislature, which you could have in Arizona next year, right? Like yes, it, absolutely. it's very possible, um, is that they elected a lot of younger people and a lot of the new younger to politics as, uh, as well. Um, they don't, they seem like they recognize they might have not have a lot of time with this majority. They are, they're like, mm-hmm. they don't have patience to wait around and kind of go through the process of things. Is that something you're seeing in general? Like, Hey, we can't waste time and just kind of like talk this over. We got to get things done. Even if you're not able to get the things done you want to do. Definitely. I mean, that's where we're at because we are one away from a majority. So we have had to get things rolling, even though we know they might not happen this legislative session or next, but we are really working hard to lay that groundwork. And I think maybe that's a benefit of having people that are new to politics is we're not necessarily bogged down by the way things always have been. 
Mm-hmm. So it's it, that doesn't factor into our thinking. It's like, well, we need to do this. Let's figure out a way how. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily have to do what's already been done because in Arizona, what's already been done hasn't gotten us a majority. Yeah. And we need a Democratic majority. I mean, our public education system, our water is um, really depending on it. So that's something I do want to talk about too. I want, uh, but is water. And but first, I want to ask this question because I needed to, to know as a political newcomer yourself, what was harder to transition to becoming a candidate and doing that all yourself? Basically, I mean, I know you got a campaign team and help, but like you really have to lead your own campaign. So, what's more of a challenge yeah. to you is becoming a candidate for the first time, putting yourself out there, or being a legislator and dealing with the impacts of legislation, especially like you said, in a narrowly major, uh, divided legislature. Uh, definitely being a candidate. Mm-hmm. Good. That's it's, good. Because <laughs> you can, because yeah. you'll be a set candidate again. It's better to have it be hard the first time, I think. Right. Yes. Yes. I learned a lot um, as a candidate, but I mean, really as a teacher, I'm used to being in front of people. Mm-hmm. I'm used to figuring things out. I've taught many different things. So that comes naturally to me. Um, I kind of have a fiery personality. So I am a person that likes to just jump in and then figure it out as I go. Um, and I did have good help. Um, I was my own campaign manager, which I know people cringe at that and go, that was stupid. And sure, but I did have help. I listened to people, but I just needed to learn Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, but moving into the legislature and really, um, you know, I'd never written a bill. Not that we write them. We have people that write them. Yeah, but you know, we're putting the work together. You don't just sit back and say, tell me what to do. No, exactly. So that was a pretty, um, that was a steep learning curve, which I was excited to do. Mm -hmm. But uh, the first two weeks, to be honest with you, I thought, what have I done with my life? Because Mm -hmm. for me, I have to be two hours away from home. I live in Tucson, Arizona. I have to go to Phoenix, Arizona, Arizona. four days a week to be in session. So I was, um, I taught up until December 23rd and then left my students, left my, you know, comfort of the high school that I've been teaching out for 10 years, left my people, left my family and, um, and then didn't really think, you know, didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so it was definitely a, a, a few moments of, Oh my goodness, this is, this is a lot. But, um, but then I just found my people and listened to our staff, our democratic staff and jumped right in. And about two weeks later, I was, um, much more comfortable and, um, and open to all of the learning, which I knew it was going to be a big learning curve, but it took a couple weeks to really, uh, be comfortable with it. So. Yeah, when I first ran for office in my council, I had people who were on council say, don't overpromise on certain things. Like, don't tell people you're going to do this with a trash contract when we yeah. can't do that exactly. Um, right. Were you cautious in that way as well when you're running, like making sure that you could promise things that you could either deliver on or advocate for that were within your power? Absolutely. I mean, I, I really... I think the best thing I did on the campaign trail was just be myself Mm -hmm. and be honest about my thoughts and opinions. And I promised my, um, everyone I talked to that I would try to work with the other side, which I have, Mm -hmm. which is difficult. Um, and I told them what I believed in and what I would fight for Mm -hmm. because 
we don't have a majority. I mean, out of our almost 800 bills that were introduced in the state house, um, 30, well, 400 were democratic bills and then 30 democratic bills actually got to a committee. And how many of those 30 bills were things that were significant legislation that like, right. They were like naming things and things that, right. They, yeah, they were date changes. Um, a couple of them were significant, um, fixes, but I think only now five actually passed. So, and I don't want to minimize them, but Mm -hmm. that's where we were at. It it was not, um, a session where a Democrat was going to be able to move their legislation and just having the legislation and putting it out there and being able to talk about it, um, was what we had to do. And so we had press conferences and we talked to our constituents and we talked to the stakeholder groups and really made it known that we were fighting and that we were working. And so, you know, that's just the way it had to be, but I'm going to reintroduce what I introduced this section until I can get a hearing for it. Now, when you go around as a candidate, you define success by if you win your election. But now that you've been in office and you go back, how do you f- define success when you go back to the constituents and tell them that you you feel good about your your session in office? Yeah, thank you. That's I mean, that's a great question. Um, for me, I it was a successful term because I did make some of those allies that I needed to make. I learned a lot and I really did connect with a lot of stakeholders that I didn't even know about Mm -hmm. in Tucson, Arizona. So I connected with a lot of statewide stakeholders, um, both in education, in, um, in, um, LGBTQ issues. Um, in, I've learned a lot about water. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what's been successful. And now I I think I can be more effective going forward. And I learned so much that I get to share with my constituents about how the process really works and what is actually happening. Because, you know, many people, myself included, before I um, was interested in politics, you know, I knew very little about how everything actually worked. So just that education I've gotten and can pass on has been has been really beneficial and a success. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm learning all the time and sometimes get nervous about like asking a question, not wanting to sound like an idiot for asking about like, do we have a FEMA permit for this, et cetera. Um, right. Now, water is such an important issue in the Southwest of the United States and probably a great issue across the country in ways that people don't understand. It's an important issue even in places like Alaska, and it's an important issue in, in states like Pennsylvania, um, you know, when we see environmental damage. Um, did you understand the water issue? Is it the same thing statewide as it is in Tucson? Or what have you learned about what we need to do about water? Like, what do voters and, you know, pe- people in the communities need to know about the water issue in Arizona and in that region? Um, I First of all, I think people need to understand that we really do have a water crisis. Because so many people think, well, I bet I, we had a good rainy season, mm-hmm. so we're good now. Well, yeah, we had a great rainy season, but we're not good now. So um, in Tucson, we do a really great job of conserving our water um, because Tucson is just kind of a, a, a pretty blue area and very much into the environment. Mm-hmm. So we do a better job than many cities in our, in our state, but that's not enough. 
we have issues, a lot of issues with agricultural water Mm -hmm. usage. Um, I've learned a lot about our tribal nations and that water usage and that groundwater is groundwater, um, except for Pima and Maricopa County, isn't regulated at all. So that is a huge, huge issue, especially when we have big corporations coming into Arizona and pulling from our groundwater with no, no limit. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a huge issue. So, I mean, water, I have dipped my toe into the water um, knowledge and I need to learn much more um, but because it, it is a complicated issue here in our state. It's a complicated issue, but it's also one that touches Everywhere. everyone, right? Like, so... Yes, absolutely. Like, you talk about LGBTQ issues, and I we, we are on the same page on that, of course, and, you know, it's very important, but you can be a conservative Republican and kind of ignore the needs of the LGBTQ yeah. population. And we see politicians, including in the debates in Montana, where Republican politicians ignore the needs of their own family members who are in that community. Yeah. Right? So, uh, yeah. so, so you can do that. You can't ignore not having water. So when you work across the yeah. aisle, do the, do, does everyone realize it's a problem or is it a lot of people putting their heads literally in the sand? It's a lot of people putting their heads in the sand mm. and, and ignoring or denying the real facts of the matter and uh, denying that, I mean, we are a desert. <laughs> you know, most of the state is a desert. And we have, and, and I don't mean to be, you know, we need agriculture. There's a place for that. But in our state, growing alfalfa, which is a water-heavy crop, mm-hmm. and and many of the Republicans don't want to talk about that at all. They just, it's off the table. And that's ridiculous because that is a huge water use. So do you think that you like you said, next election, you really could win Democratic majorities in the legislature. You have a Democratic governor. You have other Democrats in statewide office. Is that something that would be a big Democratic priority? Is changes to water issues? Absolutely. I mean, definitely working. Well, I mean, our state in the past has um, has enacted water policy without talking to the tribal nations. Mm. You know, they've they've enacted policies with corporations. We have to, t- I mean, and, and that's fair. Corporations are in Arizona, they need water, but we have to talk to all of the stakeholders and make policy that actually works for everyone and works for future generations. And that just hasn't happened in Arizona. One, one thing about Arizona that's really interesting in the last few years of politics is that I, I know Arizona has been a retirement community for any, many people, right? Like a lot of seniors will go there um, and uh, they also will go to Florida. We, we've seen that Florida, with people moving there, has become even more right wing. At, at least it seems that way. You know, Ron DeSantis went mm-hmm. from narrowly winning in 2018 to a huge win in 2022. And at the same time, Arizona has become more democratic, it seems. You have a better party than you did. It's growing in diversity. What? Why do you think that the changes aren't the same in Arizona and Florida? Why is Arizona kind of holding the line, as you could say, whereas Florida, they're not – I mean, you don't know of Florida issues, of course, but what do you think the difference is there in terms of the changing politics? Um. Hmm. My my guess, because I, I don't know for sure, but I, I do know that we have a lot of Californians moving to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Some of them lately are the radical right Californians that are trying to get away from a democratic state. So they're coming here. So that is skewing us more radically. Um, but I think we, you know, we are more affordable than California, Colorado. Um, I'm not sure about Utah, but I think we have people coming. We have a lot of people from Texas who are trying to get away from such extreme radical mm -hmm. rightness. And so we're getting some moderates in. So I would imagine it's that uh, there are very few um, native Arizonans in our state. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we also have, you know, the Wendy Rogerses, and we have a lot of extremist politicians here that are, I think, calling more of those radical types. So in parts of the state, it is getting really, really radical here. So it's scary because it, that does, you know, kind of put a damper on um, getting a majority, of a Democratic majority. So, so we'll see. One thing I asked uh, your colleague, Representative Tarek, and I've asked a lot of other people on this podcast lately, especially in light of my own U.S. Senator John Fetterman bringing up these issues, is mental mm -hmm. health. And like, I have a neighbor, I drive by his house every day who was at the insurrection and he has come to council meetings and it's scary. Like I, people think I'm joking, but no, it's kind of frightening to have that. I don't work with him. I don't have a colleague like that at my regular job or my political job, right? Like, um, you do. And not only that, but you see the impact of the legislation, good and bad. Uh, do you do anything special to for your mental health? If you're, someone wants to run for office, is that something that they should take as a priority, both as a candidate and as a politician? Absolutely, absolutely. It is. It it, it does take a toll on your mental health. Um, seeing so many extreme and really awful bills has it, it. It takes a toll. You, I have wondered. You know, how are people so very hateful? Um, and I'm a yoga teacher, so yoga is what helps me with my mental health, mm -hmm. health and helps me separate from the job and um, get some sort of peace. Uh, but everybody needs to find something um, because if you just immerse yourself in the process and the and the day to day, I mean, it's long hours, um, and I try to get out outside. Every day when I'm at the house, because there there could be days where you never even walk outside, right? Um, which isn't good for you. Mm -hmm. um, not all of us. I don't have an, a window in my office, so it can feel very enclosed, um, like a casino. Right? <laughs> they they you, they don't let you out. Um, and and I I mean it is. I don't want to say it's scary, but it's unsettling to. Yeah. You know, we have members who, who carry on the floor mm -hmm. and that is unsettling in itself. So I, I yeah, it's, um, it's been an interesting process for sure. Yeah. And, and like you said, the process of being a legislator is very challenging. There's a lot to learn, but as I've said at the beginning of this, I think that state legislators are so important. If someone's listening and it, it People often think about politics, especially in this next two years as presidential or maybe Senate. Why would you tell people to pay attention to state legislatures? And maybe why would they why would you encourage them to run for office, particularly in a purple state like Arizona? Well, I think what 
what people should be paying attention and why it's important to pay attention to state is because you know these people, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I, I'm in Trader Joe's and, you know, walking on our river path all the time. Mm-hmm. These are people in our communities. So really the state, the state politics is something that every single citizen can have a say in. I mean, you know, you can go to, we do local coffee meetings. We do LD meetings. We had over a hundred people at our LD meeting last week. This is something that actually your voice can be heard on the state floor, um, in the state politics. Um, but it's important to look at the, the federal politics as well. And, and I hear this all the time. People say, I can't, I don't, it's, it's too much. Mm-hmm. It's too dramatic. It's too, you know, polarizing and ugly. And, and, and it is too yeah. much of that, but it's too, it's also too important to look away because when we look away, that's when that extremist faction wins. Um, I would definitely, I, I always encourage people to run because, um, first of all, you learn a lot about yourself, a lot about politics and how it works. And even if um, you don't win, you find a lot of groups that you are aligned with that you can help with. I mean, there are so many ways to volunteer in every state. And I found so many, and I continue to find so many great organizations that I would have, if I hadn't won, I would have volunteered with them and helped get the word out in, in that kind of way. So yes, it's, it's so great to run. And there are so many, um, free, um, programs to help people. Like I, I'm, um, a candidate with Arizona list and they help progressive, um, democratic pro-choice women get elected. So they do a whole series of, of, webinars on how to be a candidate. Um, I also did a program with Moms Demand Action called uh, Demand Demand the Change. And that was the same thing. It was a how to be a good candidate, what you're going to need to be a good pol- or legislator. And so those are great programs that I did right at my own home. You know, after school, I would get on a webinar like this and and really learn. So they're out there. There's lots of programs for people to learn. Yeah, and before we finish here, um, one thing I wanted to bring up as well is, as an adult, it's hard to make friends. I mean, obviously, we're best friends now. We're going to hang out and watch football or whatever. Uh, Not this weekend because there's no football. Uh, But um, (laughs) is that something, now that you've been in the legislature, you've kind of been in the foxholes or whatever they are, Mm -hmm. um, is that a positive to being in a campaign and being in the legislature? Is that, as a first-time candidate, you're kind of lonely, but do you mm-hmm. become less, is that a good way to like kind of make a new community for yourself? Absolutely. Yes. 100%. Um, I met so many people in my, in my own community that now I'm friends with and hadn't met before. Um, and in the legislature, I'm because I've met, made friends with some other, um, progressive Democrats and now I'm getting to meet because I'm in Phoenix, they'll bring me with them to different organizations that they belong to. And, uh, just that networking and and meeting, you know, like-minded people who really have a passion for change has been so wonderful. And it's been, um, that's what's helped get, (laughs) get through on those tough days and those long days. It's like, well, I, I definitely feel like I've built a community. 
Yeah, and before I finish here, um, you talked about being an educator in politics mm-hmm. and how important that is because um, you, you can bring an experience there. You talked about learning about water issues. There's a lot mm-hmm. of perspectives that are missing in politics and in decision-making, uh, especially mm-hmm. in legislatures, I assume. Uh, what if, if people are listening, what kind of uh, perspectives do you think that we need, whether it's professional backgrounds or personal backgrounds, that now that you've seen the, the process being done, you're like, man, I wish that someone that understood X was here in this room right now. What kind of perspectives should we be encouraging to run for office? Well, um, definitely younger, younger folks, um, definitely members of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and, and, you know, BIPOC folks, people of color, we need a more diverse legislators. And in our democratic side, it's, it's getting more diverse, but, um, you know, we're lucky to have two representatives in our house that are from the Navajo nation Mm -hmm. and their perspective is so incredible. Um, and there's one May Peshlukai when she speaks, the entire house is silent and that does not happen for anyone else, Mm. but, but she is so well respected. And when we talk about water and she stands up and says, you know, um, my people have not had water for many, 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 many years. And it hasn't seemed to be a big deal, but yet, you know, now it is because this certain city needs water. You know, it's powerful. Mm -hmm. It's impactful to see that. Um, but also I would say we need folks who have experiences in um, housing. You know, affordable housing is a huge issue, I would say, in many states, but it, particularly in Arizona. We need the folks that are from that industry to come and have that expertise to say this is how we can do it. Yeah, it's, I mean, here in our town, the new houses, I'm going to go to a ribbon cutting in a few weeks I'm glad, glad we got this new development, but I can't afford any house in it, <laughs> and I am exactly. not poor. So it's like, uh, yeah, I'm glad we have it, but it's a tough thing, and you know, try and sell it to be good for the community, which it is. But you can't get more affordable housing until you build more housing. Right, exactly. So that's a big struggle right now in Arizona, and I would say um, in our legislature, it's not considered full time, so we get twenty four thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Um, for being in the state legislator. And that really takes a lot of people out of the, you know, they can't run right. because who can get another job for half the year that will make enough money to be able to live and, and have a family. So um, we need to do something about that as well, because I think we're cutting out great people. I know they were working on that in New Mexico. That was, there was a big thing this year because they really weren't getting even that. Um, yeah. and so that's a big challenge. And do you think that you talk to voters, like you said, they can, they can talk to you at Trader Joe's or whatever. Um, people don't understand that, right? It's not because people are dumb because I don't, oh, gosh, no. I don't know how much anyone makes. I don't know how much my legislator makes if I'm not like, so do you think right. that when, when you tell people that, are they just surprised that what really? Well, yes, it was so, I had a friend say, do you get recognized now? I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> nobody knows who I, you know, I, no, I don't get recognized. I mean, very, very rarely. I get recognized more for being a teacher mm-hmm. in my area. I mean, there's always a student around somewhere than being a legislator. So yeah, people don't really know that we're accessible to them. 
And, and I don't think everybody is accessible, to be honest. But, I mean, and the people don't also don't realize that you don't get paid much. Like they don't realize that that's an issue with politics. Yeah, no, they don't. My husband actually asked me when I when we talked about me running and he said, well, how much does it make? And I said, $24,000. And he said, how do you do it, Nancy? You know, you're a teacher and we have extremely low pay in Arizona. Right. He's like, you found the one thing <laughs> that you could do that actually pays less. And I said, well, I have a knack for it. But um, yeah, people don't know that. They're shocked when, when we discuss it. They really are. Well, maybe one thing that we can do as men is when our wives say that we want to take this very selfless job and run for office because 51% of the population is women and 30% of elected office holders are women, that we should yeah. just say, you should go for it and we'll just we'll make it happen. And he did. Yeah, I'm not he criticizing did. him. Just like, that's something we need to yes. do is make it easier for women to run. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, because a couple, you know, several of the women in the legislature have young children mm -hmm. and I just, you know, I waited until my kids were grown. I don't know. That would be so incredibly difficult to, especially when you don't live in Phoenix. Right. You know, it's tough. Well, one thing that's not tough is getting in touch with you. I've been emailing with you all week. I've messaged yeah. you on Twitter. So if people are listening and they want to maybe get involved, get your perspective, maybe get some encouragement, what's the best way they can reach out and learn more about you? Um, well, my email is nancy4az with an F-O-R at gmail.com. Um, my website is nancy4az. Wait. Yeah, nancy4az.com. I'm all over social media with nancy4az. And then my legislative email is ngutierrez at azledge.gov. Were you very happy that no other Nancy had been for Arizona before that, that you were the first <laughs> yes. one? Yes. Because otherwise you have to fight happy. Well, I'm happy that you took time to talk today. I'm really happy you're working yes. on these issues of education and water and equity. Um, thank you so much. And are any last words to encourage people to be involved in the process before we go here? I think that if you're thinking about running, you should go ahead and go for it. Because no one's ever completely ready. There's always unknowns. There's always some things that you know make you nervous. But it's worth it in the end to just put yourself out there and run. Great. I 100% agree. Thank you so much, Nancy. And if you're listening, Thank maybe you. you should run for office too. Absolutely. Absolutely.